Welcome to the Battlefield Baptist Church Podcast. We are so glad you joined us and pray that this message is a blessing to you today. The title of this week's sermon is Obedience. Is it really that important? Join Pastor Greg in Proverbs 7, 1-5. through This morning I want you to know as they change the slide, uh, I'm going to talk to you about your second favorite topic ever when you come to church. I'm going to talk to you about your second favorite topic. You know, the one that you just go, oh boy. The first favorite topic, no, where's Alice? It's not, uh, the, the first favorite topic is typically when somebody comes to church and the pastor or speaker stands up and they say, hey, today we're going to talk about tithing. People are like, I'm checking out right now. Pinterest, here I come, you know. Today I want to talk to you about your second favorite topic, and that's the topic of obedience. Obedience. And then I want to ask the question, is it really that important? I mean, after all, I mean, do we really need to talk about obedience? Well, I mean, I see parents talking about obedience with their kids when they get in Walmart. I remember when uh, uh, Colby... I'll pick on Colby. Uh, when he was a little boy, we talked a lot about obedience to him. Casey, God bless you. You're welcome. I talked about Colby. Um, we talked to him an awful lot about obedience. So it was important that I and Krista, that we talk to our kid about obedience. But I think sometimes we wonder, is obedience really important when it comes to God? I mean, Uh, in our relationship with the Lord. And so notice with me what Proverbs chapter 7 has to say. I want to read our passage first. Just five verses. Notice in beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, My son, what is the next? It says, Keep. It says, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you certainly for the opportunity we've had to worship you in song God, the opportunity that we've had to worship you through the giving back of our resources that you might take them and bless them and multiply them and use them for your honor. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we've had already to pray and certainly as we worship you through our prayers, God, we want to tell you that we are grateful, that we are thankful and that we are so uh, mindful of your great love for us. But God, today I pray that as we talk about this idea of obedience and we start to kind of really meditate upon it as we prepare our hearts for missions, God, that I pray that maybe we might learn maybe something new today that we'd be able to apply to our lives and walk out a little bit differently than when we first entered in. God, I'll be careful to thank you for what you will do. And certainly I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, because you are my strength and you and you alone are my redeemer. God, I give you the praise and the glory for what you'll do in the next few moments of time. And I ask this in all things in the precious name of your son and for his sake. Amen and amen. In his book, The Integrity Crisis, 
Warren Wearsby, Bible commentator, preacher, and on and on, he said this, that the Scottish theologian Peter T. Forsyth was right when he said these words. He said, the first duty of every soul is not to find freedom, but its master. And when I think about that statement, I'm reminded of a couple of passages. First of all, you might think about, when, when you think about this idea of not finding its freedom but its master, I'm reminded of that passage in Matthew chapter 6, you know, over in verse number 24, where the Lord Jesus Christ talks about the fact that no man is going to be able to serve two masters. The same is true. Listen, if you have a child, you know that that child always seeks out the least road of resistance. Am I right? It's good cop, bad cop, even within the home. They go to mom if they think mom's always going to say yes, or they go to dad if they think dad's always going to say yes. Ain't nothing changed. By the way, Solomon said that long ago. He said there's nothing new under the sun. But I'm reminded of that phrase that Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You're going to either love the one and hate the other, or you're going to hold to the other and, and despise the other. It just is a contradictory problem that we face. And so obedience is a problem. I think about also what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 6. You know, he talks about at the beginning of Romans chapter 6, he says, should we sin so that grace could abound? And then he answers. It's kind of one of those asked and answered questions, which we'll see a little bit later on with one of the psalmist statements. But he says, God forbid. God forbid that we should continue in sin. But later on, if you guys will throw it up in Romans chapter 6, verse 16 and 17, notice what Paul says to the church. He says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But then verse 17, he says, But God be thanked. That you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from that heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Listen, whenever we discuss this topic of obedience, it actually becomes necessary to consider what or to whom you and I are actually being obedient to. What am I obeying? Who am I obeying? And is it really that important? And I would just say before we even dig in and get into the points of the message, as Christians a.k.a. Christ followers, a.k.a. His disciples. I would say, as those who have turned or repented from their sin, those who have placed their faith and trust in Christ and made Him, now notice this, I'm going to say, say a word that we don't often talk about anymore. Those of us who have repented, trusted by faith for forgiveness, and made Him the Lord of their life, Oh, I would say obedience is everything. It's really, really, seriously, it's important. Listen, certainly you and I as Christ followers, we are assured forgiveness. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise the Lord, we have the assurance of forgiveness. Also, we get the benefit package, which, which, which tells us that we have salvation through Jesus Christ from a place called hell. But since that salvation is based solely upon the finished work of Jesus Christ, I would want to make sure that each and every one of us understands that it would be inconsistent for you or me with the good news of the glorious gospel. It would be inconsistent with the entirety of Scripture to seek or to somehow try to gain or to keep our forgiveness, our salvation, or our eternal security intact by living or doing certain things. 
I don't want you to be confused. This isn't a message that is going to turn into, I want you to go out and turn your salvation into a works-based salvation. That's not what obedience is about. Listen, when Jesus Christ was on the cross of Calvary, he cried out, it is what? He said, it's finished. There's no need. There's no need for me to do anything. He's already done it all. Listen, my personal recognition of the fact that I am a sinner, that I'm a sinner, and I'm saying, I'm putting it in the first person, me, all right? The fact that I have a recognition that I am a sinner does not save me. And here's the thing, my personal confession and repentance from sin does not save me. My calling out or my request to be forgiven does not save me. Just like my goodness could never keep me saved. Listen, the only one who saves Greg Corcoran is Jesus Christ and him crucified. By the way, I should have heard a lot more. That's right, because it's the only way that you're saved too. It's... It doesn't matter whether you call yourself a Baptist, a Methodist, Episcopalian, a Catholic, or whatever. The only way that we get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by Him. And so we need to be very careful because, see, here's where a lot of people get off track. You start talking about obedience. And then you start majoring on obedience in such a way that you put more emphasis on this than we do faith. We were reading in Scripture this morning in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, reminds us that without faith it's impossible to please God. Listen, faith is what we need to experience and it's what we need to rely on. Look back at Romans chapter 6. I, I stopped at verse 17, but I want you to see verse 17 and then I also want you to see verse 18. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Then notice what he says in verse number 18. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. In other words, what Paul was saying to the church there, he says, You became obedient. You became obedient. You stopped serving the master of sin, you stopped serving the master of self and Satan and on and on and blah, 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 and you actually became obedient. There's one thing I learned when I first went into the military all the way back in 1985. I was going to be obedient one way or another. And you know, I could have a good attitude about it, and most of the time I did. But I also could have a bad attitude about it. I knew a lot of guys who had a bad attitude when they were told this or that or what they were to do. And obedience is important. Listen, let's look back at Proverbs chapter 7 this morning. And I think that if we just look at a couple of things from here, we're going to be able to understand some things concerning this walk of obedience. And I think it's important not only for for me as the pastor, but it's important for each and every one of us. Because my wife and I, we used to sit right there. We used to sit right there. I never thought I'd be up here preaching to you on obedience, but God has a sense of humor. He has a sense of humor. And he said, guess what? You're going to preach. You're going to pastor. You're going to do what I want to do. And I was like, okay, yes, sir. That's called obedience. It has nothing to do with me or my ability or, or anything. By the way, let's be reminded. The Bible says 
God takes the base things of this world. And he does it so that we can confound the wisdom of this world, the wise. Notice what the Bible says again. And I also like this. I want to say this because I always say this in the home. Thomas Akempis, he actually said this years and years ago, a long time ago. He said this about obedience. He said, instant obedience is the only kind of obedience there is. Delayed obedience is actually disobedience. I always told that to, to my boys, you know, ask them to do something, and you, you know the, the, the response you always get, I'm gonna, 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 you're gonna what? I'm gonna do it. No, 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 no. I asked you to do it now. See, delayed obedience is disobedience. And so the same is true when it comes to the things of God. Look with me, first of all. I think we can learn a few things. You know, we've all heard that statement, when God says it, that settles it. Anybody ever heard that statement? Let me ask a question. Be honest. Be real honest right here, because I see some of you smiling. You ever heard that statement, when God says it, that settles it, and then when you hear it, it makes you cringe? Who, who, whoever's, it's, it's, let's be honest. Anybody? Not, I'm, I'm the only one that I went, oh, I don't like it. I don't like it when God says that because that means I have a choice. Well, we have a choice today. Notice just a few things with me about obedience. First of all, if you're a note taker, I want you to notice the biblical mandate for obedience that we see in Proverbs chapter 7. In the first few verses, we'll see how God was using Solomon to make the comparison of wisdom and folly. In fact, if you read through this whole passage, you'll see this theme over and over But in looking at this passage, I think we can gain a better understanding as to why obedience is so important for each and every one of us. And so I just put down here, notice with me in verse number one, it says, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. The importance in obeying God's word is only going to be realized in my life and in your life after God's word is implanted. God's word must be implanted if we're ever going to realize the importance of obedience. Notice the two words there in verse number one. The words lay up. The Hebrew word for the phrase lay up actually means to hide. And so behind this word is this metaphor of uh, of treasure. This idea of having treasure that's to be locked up in a safe place. How many of you all are lovers of knickknacks in your homes? Yvonne, bless your heart. Thank you for your honesty. Uh, let me, now, here's the key. I'm thankful that Yvonne and uh, was it Carol or, or someone else was honest uh, about having knickknacks. Common things, think about this. Common things and knickknacks we usually have scattered all over our house. Things that are of value or maybe a special piece of jewelry or birth certificates, marriage certificates, things like that are usually locked or hidden away. Are they not? Why do we do that? Because we place what on it? Value on that which is important. Notice what the screen says. 
Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, is saying to his son, my son, keep my words. And he says this phrase, lay up. What he's saying, he says, you need to hide it. You need to hide this word. Not only does it need to be uh, something that is implanted, but it needs to be something that is hidden and treasured. In fact, that's where we go with the next point. But I want you to understand this. When we think about implanting God's word in our life, repetition is the key. That's why, in fact, I put down here, that's why David stated in Psalm 119, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why did he say that? That I might not sin against thee. Oh, you can run and run and run and run and run from the obedience that we really need to be showing to God. But it's not going to do you any good. Listen, to have a proper appreciation of obedience God's Word's got to be implanted, and I alluded to it just a second ago. If we're really going to understand the importance of obedience, it's not only got to be implanted in not only our mind, but it, by the way, that needs to be implanted in our heart. It needs to be something that is treasured. Listen, and cherished, rather. Cherished and treasured, same thing. The definition of the word tre- uh, cherished is to feel or to show great love for someone or something. How many of you have things at home that you cherish? Let me ask this question. How many of y'all have something out in the parking lot that you cherish? Bunch of liars. No one's raising their hand. Hey, if you don't cherish it, just leave the keys back there and I'll take care of it for you. Some of you, I drive by your house, you're out there. Won't won't put the laundry in the laundry room, but man, you're out there cleaning that car, man, looking good. High school students are good for that too, you know, guys want to clean the car, you know. He's like, don't say it, don't say it, cleaning the car because, you know, going to Friday night football game, taking my girlfriend, want to make sure the car's clean. See, things that we cherish can be easily detected, can't they? The same's true with this, guys. Solomon says here in verse number two, he says, keep my commandments. But notice what he says after that. And what? And what? He says, keep my commandments and live. He says, listen, you need to, you need to keep my commandments and live. And then he says, and my law as the apple of thine eye. Notice that phrase, the apple of thine eye. Anybody ever heard something like that before? It actually, literally, literally, I know some of you are into the literal translation of Scripture, as I am. And it says, the apple of thine eye, it literally means the little man. The little man. You say, what? It means the little man. Isn't that where we've heard it before? He or she is the apple of her daddy's eye. Isn't that what we say? What does that mean? That means that that child or that business or that car or that home or that relationship or that wife or the spouse or whatever we allude to when we say is the apple of their eye, what we are saying is that person or that thing is something that that other person cherishes. Solomon says, keep thy commandments and live and my law. He's referring to God's law. God is saying, keep my law as something that you cherish. 
It has to be something that is beautiful and protected. Listen, when it comes to God's word, the same must be true. We must treasure it. We must cherish it if obedience is really going to take place in our life. It's one thing, I always say this, it's one thing to implant truth. It's another thing to cherish it. You can implant it all you want. In fact, I put down here, you can memorize all the scripture you want. You can understand all the Bible verses you want. But until it is cherished, and then thirdly, until it is applied, you're never going to understand why obedience is important. You see, the importance of obedience is going to be understood when God's Word starts to be implanted. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, life is like this glass or this cup, you know, and you fill it up with things. I tell people, they say, man, I'm struggling. My prayer life's hurting. My marriage is hurting. My business is struggling. I'm, I'm here. I'm there. I'm everywhere. I say, what are you putting in your cup? Put something good in every day. And they say, well, I'm not big into reading Scripture. Problem. Problem. You're asking me for biblical counsel, but you don't get into reading Scripture until you implant God's Word, until you begin to cherish God's Word and understand how important it is, and until you start applying God's Word to your life, you're not going to understand why it's so important. The devout Jew, if you think about back when the Jewish people in the first century, they would wear these things. Anybody know what they're called? They were called the phylacteries. They would tie them to their fingers and they had leather straps that would band around them and they would have them on their fingers and then they, you ever remember, ever seen a picture? Uh, Bear says, yes, I know. Uh, the phylacteries on the forehead. Now these phylacteries contained these little parchments and these parchments contained four passages from Exodus and Deuteronomy. In fact, Exodus chapter 13, verses 1, uh, 1 through 10. Exodus 13, 11 through 16. They broke that apart. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And then Deuteronomy 11, verses 13 to 21. This was an outward way of reminding the Jewish people that they needed to apply God's word in their daily lives. It's like anybody ever heard the saying? tie a string around your finger? Where do you think that came from? (laughs) What's interesting to me is all the things that we typically say, all the little phrases that we typically have, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, Bird in the bush and all that with, uh, with Solomon as well, you know, bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. That came from Ecclesiastes. I mean, all these things that we see in life, They originated from God. It's important that we understand obedience when it comes to his word. Paul wrote to the church at Colossus, and I love this verse. And if any of you know me, know that I love to pick this one verse apart. But in uh, chapter 3 of Colossians, in verse number 16, the Bible says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Listen, what Paul is saying is he says that word of Christ needs to dwell in you richly in all wisdom. He says that word needs to be at home in your heart. I'll be going and spending a night or two here in a couple of weeks uh, to a, a hotel. Pray for me. The name of the hotel It's a motel, by the way, so pray for me. Uh, It's not Motel 6. It's called the Earl of Sandwich Motel. (laughs) Y'all pray that I make it out alive. 
I thought maybe they would serve sandwiches for dinner. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to stay there. By the way, it's kind of like the only motel where I'm going. So guess what? It wasn't like a lot of choices. <laughs> wasn't like there was a Holiday Inn or a Hampton Inn or whatever. So I'm staying at this Earl of Sandwich Motel up in Massachusetts. Pray for me. They get nervous when carpetbaggers come up to uh, the Northeast. And uh, they always refer to me as a carpetbagger when I make the trip up north. They say, ah, oh, the carpetbagger's back. I'm like, great, thank you. Love you guys. Um, get off the motel. <laughs> but here's the thing, the word of God. Paul's saying that God's word in our heart should be like a home, not like a motel. See, because you can go and stay at the, the Ritz-Carlton, but after a while, you get tired of staying at the Ritz-Carlton. You start to say, man, I want to sleep in my own bed. I want to see my wife again. I want to get home. I want to get back to my regular schedule. You get tired of it. And I don't care if you're going to a tropical island destination or whatever. You will get tired of it. And you say, no, I won't. Yes, you will. You go stay on the island of Hawaii for a while, you'll start to get cabin fever. When you realize you only have a certain area that you can go. Oh, listen, Paul is saying the word of God should dwell richly in our hearts. If our hearts are truly filled with God's word, then our behavior is going to reveal it. If God's word is taking root in my heart, then my actions are going to reveal it. In fact, someone has said this, said the actions of the hand are only the result of the passions of the heart. Oh, yes, we see the biblical mandate for obedience. But also in verse number two, look with me. I see the biblical joy that is found in obedience. And listen, until you and I actually experience joy and the blessings of obedience, we're never really going to learn the true nature of it. Notice what verse number two, verse number two says. Again, it says, keep my commandments and live my law as the apple of thine eye. You know, our God is a God of order. He's not a God of confusion. Whenever his divine instructions are obeyed, there's harmony. And whenever they are violated, there's tragedy. And I just simply say, since God's right, why not obey him the first time? <laughs> since he's always right. It's funny how the world tries to prove him wrong. And the more the world, more science tries to prove him wrong, he just keeps proving to them that, yep, yeah, I'm who I say I am. You, you go ahead and take another test. You go ahead and study the stars. You go ahead and dig up some more fossils, and you'll see that I'm still here sitting on my throne. Kind of interesting. I think about the Old Testament, the entire book of Deuteronomy. <laughs> in fact, anybody ever started on a uh, I'm going to read the Bible in a year campaign when January rolls around and you get over to Deuteronomy and you're like, or Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and you're like, eh. Eh, eh, I'm going to wait two months and then I'm going to jump forward. I'm going to skip over. Deuteronomy is all about obedience. And in Deuteronomy chapter 11, the Bible says this in verse number 26 and following. It says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and verse 28, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. You know, during World War II, it was the British general uh, Bernard Montgomery who was named the commander of forces in North Africa during a critical time rescuing allied forces 
there at that time, and, and it, it was really a dreaded debacle that was taking place. And General Montgomery, when he uh, got to North Africa and he met with the, uh, the leaders and, and the subordinates there, he simply said these words. He said, orders no longer form the basis for discussion, but for action. Orders no longer form the basis of discussion, but for action. And I just wrote down here, how many times do we read or hear what God has to say about a situation that you or I are facing, and instead of obeying what he says to do, we take time, we take time to debate it, to discuss it, and to give God our opinion on it. As if he really needed my opinion. He doesn't. Listen, God's orders, if you please, are not given for my deliberation or your deliberation. They're given for my benefit. He gives them for my protection. And oddly enough, and he does it for me and for you, not only my benefit and my protection, but he gives them for my enjoyment. See, he gives us orders. He gives us commandments. He gives us principles that we can follow in his word because of his love. He wants to provide and to protect for us. He wants us to enjoy Jesus Christ said he came to give us life and to give us life more abundantly. Listen, this is, this is what biblical obedience brings. It brings joy because it's vital to our health. In Proverbs chapter 4, the Bible says this, My son, in verse number 20 through 22, it says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. And then notice what the Bible says in verse number 22. For they are life. They are life unto those that find them. And what does it say? And health to all their flesh. Oh yes, biblical obedience brings joy because it's vital to my health. It brings joy because it's vital to my holiness, our holiness. Listen, holiness is conformity to God's will. And I got news for you. There's no doubt in my military mind that obedience is a part of God's will. I know a lot of people say, well, Pastor, I appreciate that message. I'm going to go home and I'm going to read God's Word and I'm just going to pray about that thing on obedience. I got news for you. There are some things that we need to pray about. Obedience is not one of them. It's God's will. And we can make the choice to be disobedient, but that's exactly what it is. It's a choice. Listen, God's will is that we obey Romans chapter 6, back in that passage where Paul's writing the church at Rome, verse 22, he says, But now being made free from sin and become servants or obedient to God, ye have your fruit unto, what does he say? Holiness. Disobedience. It's vital because it, it, it leads us into the way of holiness when we walk in obedience to God's command. Just doing what God commands does not constitute obedience unless we are also abstaining from what God says not to do. A lot of people, and even the Pharisees, they would, they would try to keep the letter of the law. By the way, none of us can keep the law. That's why I'm so thankful for God's amazing grace. But they would try and keep the law, and they would tell one another, hey, uh, I'm following the law, and they said, no, you're not. You're, you may look good, you may stand up, you may put the right clothes on, you may go to the temple, you may stand and look as if you're spiritual, you may look as if you're holy, but inside, even Jesus condemned them. He said, but your hearts are far from me. He said, with your mouth you're saying one thing, but on the inside I'm seeing a different thing. 
Listen, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 7. The Bible says, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Biblical obedience brings joy because it's vital for our health, our holiness. And I would just say the only reason it brings joy also is because it's vital for our happiness. Listen, the idea where it says, keep my commandments and live, that word live, the idea there is to live happily. Not live sad, not live in anger, not live with an attitude problem. To live happily is the idea of that phrase. In fact, in Luke chapter 11, verse number 28, Jesus said these words himself. He said, yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Listen, you want to be happy, hear the word of God and keep it. Obey it. Follow it. James reminds us all that happiness, Larry and I were talking about this this morning, James reminds us all that happiness comes from obedience. When he says these words, he says in James 1.25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, he said, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You may recall that old hymn, John Seamus's hymn, uh, and uh, it's entitled Trust and Obey. Anybody remember the old hymn? Verse number one of that hymn says, When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, oh, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Do you know that healthy, holy, and happy Christians, they seem to have one common denominator? They, have, they seem to have one thing in common with one another. It's the fact that they typically are those who are walking in obedience. Finally, this morning, not only do we see the biblical mandate for obedience and the biblical joy that we can find in being obedient, but I also believe that very easily and clearly we can see the biblical motivation for obedience. Notice what verse number 3 says. Solomon wrote, writes here, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table, and what table does he say to write them on? The table of thine heart. Folks, the biblical motivation for obedience comes down to one word. Anybody know what it is? It's called love. The biblical motivation for obedience comes down to one word. It's not work. It's, it's not do. It's not, uh, uh, you know, uh, anything else. It's simply love. Listen, we see all through Scripture. I mean, it is weaved, interwoven all through Scripture. God's love for His children. I think about what the Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth. And look with me on the screens. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, the Apostle Paul says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. That word constraineth us means it compels. It causes me to want to do something that I normally would not do. The love of my wife compels me each and every day to be better, to do a better job at being 
her husband, to do a better job at being a father, to do a better job at being a Christian. That's what that does. Oh my goodness, what do you think the love of Christ compels me to do? Some of you think, I know there's a lot of people say, man, he, he really runs hard. He's always working. He's always doing this. That's because of the love of Christ. It compels me to do that. I look at what Christ did on the cross, and then I look at what I do, and there's no comparison. Listen, it's love. It's certainly love. Notice what he goes on to say. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him. That's obedience. We ought to live in obedience unto him which died for them and rose again. Paul was adamant about this idea of obedience because not only does he tell it to the church at Corinth, but over in Galatians, he tells the church of Galatia the same thing, essentially, when he says in uh, chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me. There's that word again, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said to the church of Galatia, I'm different now. I have Christ residing on the inside. I cannot be Saul anymore. I've put, through the power of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I have put to death those things that were in my life that were causing me to walk in a way that was opposed to God. He says, now I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. I've put to death those other things. I walk in obedience. Listen, Jesus' love for Paul motivated Paul to walk in obedience. The same should be true of you and I. Think about what Scottish theologian Andrew Boner said. He said this about obedience, and, he, and, and I quote, he says, It is not the importance of a thing, but the majesty of the lawgiver that is to be the standard of obedience. Some, indeed, might reckon such minute and arbitrary rules in his word as trifling. But the principle involved in obedience or disobedience was none other than the same principle what was, that was tried in the Garden of Eden at the foot of the forbidden tree. He goes on, he says, it really comes down to this. Is the Lord to be obeyed in all things whatsoever he commands? Is he a holy lawgiver? Are his creatures bound to give implicit assent to his will? Folks, I want you to know that the answer to every one of his questions, by the way, I believe he meant them to be rhetorical. The answer to every one of his rhetorical questions is not only yes, but it is yes, 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 yes. Listen, it's obedience should be the expression of my inward love and my outward loyalty to God. There's another word we don't hear a lot about anymore. It's called loyalty. Psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 59 and 60, he said, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. The psalmist says, hey, I thought about how I lived and decided that's not probably the best thing for me to be doing, and so I turned to your testimonies, speaking to the Lord. But notice what he says in verse 60. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. Obviously, guys, our knowledge and that God blesses obedience and 
you know, he disciplines disobedience should be another motive for us to, to uh, motivating factor in our life to be obedient. But you know that even when the Lord disciplines, he does so out of love. Isn't that what Hebrews chapter 12 tells us in verse 6? When it says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. You see, before comes the chastening, we're reminded it's for whom the Lord loveth. See, obedience is not this big bad wolf that we have to be afraid of. Obedience is something that we ought to understand is biblical. We also ought to understand that there is a motivating factor in every one of our lives who have called out upon the name of the Lord for salvation to be obedient, and that is love. It's simply something that is, a, that is an outworking of the love that we have for God. I put down here, and I believe it with all my heart, one day every Christian will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Not to determine my eternal destination, but to assess the quality of the Christian life that I lived while here on earth. I close with two questions. Is obedience really that important? I think the answer is yes. And then here's the one that we all have the conundrum with. If it's that important, can you and I actually be or live in obedience to God? And again, I say absolutely. Absolutely. We can walk in obedience to God. It's a choice that we have minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, and on and on. Listen, understanding the biblical mandate for obedience, realizing the biblical joy that we can find in obedience, and also grasping that biblical motivation of love for obedience, all of those things work together to remind us just how important our obedience really is. By the way, your obedience and my obedience bring God honor. And they bring him glory. I wrote down here on a sticky something that was said on Friday at the meeting we were at. Dr. Elmer Towns, the co-founder of Liberty University, was speaking. And this wasn't even really related to his topic. <laughs> but he happened to say this, and I wrote it down in my notebook. And I thought, man, what a, what a thought there to ponder. And he said, and I'll be polite and use uh, different... Uh, context he said you cannot say no you cannot say no if Jesus is truly your Lord obedience is important when the Lord says something we have a choice we can either obey or we can disobey you say, why is this all important? Well, because our theme for missions this year is obedient. Be obedient. We need to be his hands, his feet, his heart, and his voice. And the reality is we have a choice. We can either be obedient or we can be disobedient and say, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that this year. I've done that in the past. I'm going to take a break from being obedient this year. But I say the best choice is to say yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. My answer will be yes. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about our ministry, please go to battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. See you next time.